Welcome to the Law with DK Williams, giving the courts credit when they get it right, calling them out when they get it wrong. Welcome back to the Law. I'm DK Williams, and this is episode 60, and it's a special edition of the Law with DK Williams, where I had the pleasure of talking with Mr. Michael Baca. He's the named plaintiff in the case we discussed in episode 48. Baca versus the state of Colorado. Now, if you recall, I did a series of three podcasts on the Electoral College, each one dealing with a separate case. So we started with Baca versus Colorado, where the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals said the state of Colorado could not require presidential electors like Mr. Baca to vote for the winner of the state's popular vote. Then we followed that one up, episode 49, with Guerra versus the state of Washington, where the Washington State Supreme Court said Washington could fine electors for not voting for the state's popular vote winner as required by that state's law. So they're distinguishable factually, but in essence, those two cases are diametrically opposed. The Tenth Circuit says it is unconstitutional to restrict electors and their freedom to vote as they wish, while the Washington State Supreme Court says states can bind the electors and punish them via a $1,000 fine if they violate that state law. So that was episodes 48 and 49. Then we followed it up with episode 50, where we discussed the U.S. Supreme Court's most recent decision, even though it was back in 1952, on the Electoral College. And that was the case of Ray versus Blair. Now, in that case, the U.S. Supreme Court said a political party could require a pledge from a potential elector to support whoever that party's nominee might be in order for that private political party to consider you for a spot as an elector. But the Supreme Court did not say that a state itself, remember this is a private political party, did not say that a state itself could require such a pledge or otherwise enforce it, even if they had such a pledge. They specifically did not answer those two questions. So while Ray versus Blair was cited by both the 10th Circuit and the Washington State Supreme Court, it wasn't dispositive and it's not dispositive. And my little Johnny Cochran poetic device to sum up the Tenth Circuit's ruling in Mr. Baca's case, which I think is correct. The Constitution allows for states autonomy in selecting the presidential electors from that state, but it does not allow them any authority to direct those electors. They can select them, they can't direct them, and we'll see if the U.S. Supreme Court agrees with the Tenth Circuit and me on that. And I think it's clear the 10th Circuit's correct. The Electoral College was specifically intended as a way to avoid a direct popular vote for president. They discussed that and they decided that's not what they wanted to do. The electors, like Michael Baca, would be selected by people in the state where they resided and were to use their discretion in voting for president. I get there's arguments that maybe that's not a good idea anymore. But until it's constitutionally changed, it is the system in effect. Some call Mr. Baca and others like him faithless electors. I prefer the term rogue electors. It's less judgmental and much cooler. Now, both Mr. Baca and the plaintiffs out of Washington state have sought certiorari with the U.S. Supreme Court, but the U.S. Supreme Court has not ruled or said whether or not they're going to hear the case, either one of them or both. Now, if they don't resolve the issue, the Electoral College could create chaos. Seriously, in 2020, we talked about this in those other episodes. Because if some electors say, I can vote for whoever I want, and state officials say, no, you can't, how to count those votes will be in legal dispute. You either vote them for A or you vote them for B, and they both have an argument as to which is correct. 
This could create a third world banana republic type situation with two viable winners, both with a legitimate argument. And depending on which argument prevails, one or the other wins. So obviously it would be better to decide that argument before it becomes an actual issue, like potentially in November of 2020. Or it's going to make Bush versus Gore look like a stroll through the playground on a Sunday afternoon. And we discussed that case, Bush versus Gore, in episode 52. As always, The Law with D.K. Williams is brought to you in collaboration with Speakeasy Ideas. You can subscribe to The Law and the other Speakeasy Ideas podcasts through your favorite podcast app. Just look up Speakeasy Ideas and to go to the website, speakeasyideas.com. You can follow this podcast on social media, and I hope you do, Twitter at The Law, D.K.W., and on Facebook.com slash The Law with D.K. Williams. Love to hear from you if you're so inclined. Like, rate, share comment, etc. And I'm available for speaking engagements, consulting and teaching, been doing it for a while and always enjoy it. You can contact Bethany at speakeasyideas.com for details on that. And I want to sincerely thank Michael Baca for taking the time to discuss these issues with me. Back in 2016, when these events took place, he was a Denver resident. He's now teaching high school in Las Vegas. And we spoke via Skype on Sunday, December 8th, 2019, shortly after the Broncos defeated the Texans in Houston. We both wanted to watch that game and certain things take priority. Here's my conversation with rogue elector, Michael Baca. Very honored to have Michael Baca on here with us today to talk about his lawsuit in the Electoral College. Thank you for being with us, Michael. I appreciate it, Dave. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm kind of a geek, I guess, because I'm excited about talking to you about this this whole process. Um, so uh, first, kind of just tell us um, how you got started or your involvement with the Democratic Party um, prior to this Electoral College um, situation. Uh, yeah. So, well, I was a registered independent in Denver when I first moved there. Um, but I did end up uh, switching my registration to uh, Democrat so I could uh, participate in the primaries. Um, and I, I guess how I became an elector, well, I showed up to caucus, um, and I, you know, I caucus for Bernie Sanders, um, in, I believe the caucus was in March, March 1st, I believe. Um, but I showed up to caucus and, uh, from there, um, at my house district level, uh, they, I was just pretty vocal and, uh, the house district caucus, I guess, voted me in to, uh, to go on to the state or not to the state, to the county convention. Right. And it was at that county before the county convention, uh, the Denver Democratic Party sent us like four forms, like to be a county delegate, to be a state delegate, a national delegate, and then to be an elector. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I knew what the Electoral College was. I know that we don't uh, elect the vote or elect the president via the popular vote. Um, so I knew what an elector was, but it was, you know, it said national elector. I wasn't actively trying to be one. I just you know, I had this opportunity, so I filled out all the paperwork. Sure. <laughs> and so uh, I was actually, I, I, you know, and I, I want to kind of make this clear. Like, I wasn't really uh, doing much for Bernie Sanders. I mean, I, I went to a couple, like, meetings, but I wasn't knocking on doors. I wasn't uh, I wasn't pounding the pavement. And so right. I, was, I didn't feel like it was just had my name in the, in the, in the ring, I guess. And uh, so I was heading over to Sam's Club. We were doing some shopping, and I get a, a Facebook message, and then that leads to a phone call saying, basically, you know, asking me if I was who I was, um, and saying that they wanted a Bernie Sanders uh, supporter to be an elector. Right. And that for Congressional District One, there was one other lady who's actually from my house district, um, and they had told me, and I just said, sure. They said, 
you don't really need to do much. You just need to show up here and we'll have the votes for you. Um, and it was a, a progressive organization or, you know, progressive group of progressives in Denver. Sure. Um, who have I, you know, I've now grown to, you know, to be really good friends with. Um, and so they asked me to be an elector. And from there, um, I, you know, I went to the county convention. Um, I, I still, you know, it, it wasn't, I didn't really under, like, I understand what an elector was, but it, it didn't feel, it was just a, a weird uh, circumstance. Right. I show up and there was actually another Michael Baca there. He was running. Oh. Polly huh. Baca was there right. um, and, and running in CD1. And, you know, they, like they said, uh, it turned out I ended up winning. And that was kind of on the back burner for, a, you know, for a while because this is in March. And, you know, I wouldn't have been an elector unless Hillary Clinton won or whoever the Democratic nominee at that point. Right. Right. Would have. Yeah. And so um, and then from there, you know, uh, because then my name got around, um, you know, I was like, oh, well, maybe I should, you know, try to make an effort and go to the state convention and then, you know, pursue being a delegate for Bernie Sanders. And right. so I was elected as a, as a national delegate for Bernie Sanders. Um, so I went to Philadelphia, but it was I was like a bystander. I, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I was just kind of going where I needed to go. Uh, voted when I needed to vote and, uh, you know, participating and just kind of soaking it in, you know, sure. not a political operative, not had never worked in politics. You know, I, you know, I had only registered so I could vote for Bernie. Um, sure. you know, I voted in 2010. That was, uh, or 2012. Sorry. That was my first election I could vote in. Right. Um, this is only my second election. I was 24 years old, wasn't old enough to run for house of representatives. Right. Um, and, that, and that was in 2016. You're 24. Yeah. Got yeah it. So I'm 20, yeah, 27 now. I'll be 28 in February. Got it. Actually, uh, for the Bronco fans, um, yes. you know, fun fact: my birthday actually fell on Super Bowl 50, um, <laughs> and it was fantastic. I so, love that. I love it. Um, that was uh, yeah. I, I love it. As I'm a big Bronco fan, so that's uh, that was fun. Yeah. But um, so I basically kind of just kept on showing up, um, you know, and. Uh, you know, kind of fast forward, you know, a little bit. Um, once, you know, we had the, the the nominees, you know, set, it was, you know, Hillary versus, you know, Trump. Right. Uh, still wasn't an elector until, well, really, you know, until I'm seated. But, like, I wasn't a, you know, going to be a national elector unless the Democrat won. Right. Colorado, as she did. Right. Um, and then, so you can't really, like, at least for me, I under, I, I mean, I did spend time reading, you know, Article 2, uh, reading the 12th Amendment, uh, reading, you know, Federal 68, um, just to learn the intent behind uh, the law. And yeah. so, you know, I, I, I did due diligence to learn my job. And very early on, I mean, it was that, you know, once the electors are seated, it, to me, it made sense that electors operate at a federal level, you know, above state law, or after, you know, the states get to choose, the legislature gets to choose, you know, the states, you know, can choose electors. But right. once electors are seated, it was that, you know, electors are this, you know, body of 538 people. And to me, I'm a, you know, free, sovereign, you know, human being. And so I do believe that, you know, one should have their freedom of consciousness. Um, and so, you know, I, it was once the, the deck was dealt, I mean, the hand was dealt, and I saw the lay of the land, um, I just felt I acted, you know, I, I started to act in, in the best interest of, you know, myself, of Congressional District 1, um, and, you know, trying to do, trying to prevent someone that I, you know, do feel, as, you know, was dangerous and is is as described about in Federal 68, 
um, to, you know, as a person that doesn't have the requisite qualification to be president. I, I love um, that you've read Federalist 68. You did your you you did uh, your research in this, and and that's awesome. Um, let me back up one second. Just to, when was the election that you won to become the uh, official member of the electoral college from the state of Colorado? That Where was that? Been, that would have been the county convention. Not yeah, the county convention, and it was at a at, at a high school. Okay. I don't, I don't think it was at South. I think it was at East High School. Okay. Um, and so it was just it was there. It was the you know it was the CD one you know I guess convention like, sure sure because so CD one is basically Denver for people that don't know it's basically Denver yeah yeah and um, I'm sorry and Polly Baca was she also in CD one yeah. because she was a, a national elector as well so we yeah. both were from CD one yeah so and we didn't know each other at this time um and so you know and I didn't know who she was and you know how you know incredible of a life that she's lived um. And so, but I ended up going, you know, to CD1 just not, again, not knowing anyone. And I'm a very, you know, anxious and sometimes awkward <laughs> person. And so to go to not know anyone at this place, I was really trying to stick by the hips of those who I did know. Right. Um, and, you know, I last minute made little flyers. Um, and my reasoning was, you know, there were not flyers, but there were business cards. But there were, there's business card size, but sure. I made them into flyers. And I was like, yeah, this is uh, just just to have something. I mean, I wasn't super dressed up. It wasn't, I was just kind of going cause someone asked me to go and you know, when someone asked me to do something, I'm going to be there. And yeah. so, um, I showed up and then somehow, you know, I got the votes that I won. Um, it wasn't like I did heavy campaigning or right. trying. there was others that were actively trying. Um, sure. So I won. And then, so later then I, you know, learned Polly Baca was from CD one. And then she ended up winning at the uh, at the state convention that was in Loveland. Yeah, it was in Loveland. Okay. Okay. Um, that was in April, so she won at large. Got um, it. And Senator Raleigh Heath, I believe, won at large. Got it. So I'm guessing that since you won CD1 and Colorado has seven congressional districts, each congressional district at a meeting like you did elected one elector, and then at mm -hmm. the state convention, you've got two more to represent the two senator spots, basically, and that's exactly. where Polly and Raleigh Heath got those two. Got yeah. it. Well, got in all 50 it. states, but D.C., because, you know, they don't have federal representation. Right, right. yeah. That's, so. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, so that happens, and then we have the the election results. Hillary wins Colorado, but Trump wins the electoral college votes. If every state does what the state wants them to do, tell me what happened after that. When did you first decide or realize, or were you approached by anyone about no. voting for someone else? Yeah, tell me that story. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I did was beginning to talk with other electors um, because there was the elector in Washington who voted for Faith Spotted Eagle. Um, yep, he was right. already pretty vocal um, and, and doing that. Um, and then so um, it wasn't necessarily approached, but a, a kind of a, a gathering of you know, me and another elector in Washington. Um, and, you know, we had you know similar ideas. And so... Now I'm sorry, was that Levi Guerra? Because he's the no, main no, one. Of, that okay, he's been, another, uh, another one of them. Brett Shapalo. Got it. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And so we started talking and he was, it was, there was concern talk of, you know, well, electors, uh, you know, what if they're put in danger and, and things like that. And so uh, I remember the earlier conversations like, should electors get, you know, have a, have a vest, but I wasn't thinking that I was in danger. So, um, but we kept in contact and we're like, basically we need to wait and see 
uh, how the how the results turn out. Right. And so um, once, you know, like I said, once the hand is dealt, then, right. you know, and, and, you know, so we didn't know that, you know, Michigan, I mean, it looked like it was close uh, um, and two other states were close. And so right. I kind of go with the, you know, the worst case scenario. And so, you know, when it was apparent that, you know, Secretary Clinton was going to lose. Right. Um, and uh, I just kind of went worst case scenario because, I you know, again, felt and believe that Donald Trump is a, is a danger to this country. And so, I mean, we I mean, we as you know, Bernie Sanders delegates in in uh, Philadelphia were saying that Hillary was the you know, Secretary Clinton was the worst candidate to go up against the Donald Trump. And so it, it just it, it was something that was in the back of my mind. But not, I, I like every, almost every other American that I thought, uh, or at least that I interacted with, sure. um, thought that Secretary Clinton was going to win. I thought, you know, she was going to win, but it was going to be closer. You know, I, I thought it was going to come down to, you know, a few votes, um, like electoral votes. But, you know, winning 37 votes, you know, that's, while historically that's not significant, um, you know, there's been other, you know, you know, candidates that have, you know, won or, you know, presidents that have won the electoral vote, you know, handedly. Um, but it was, I thought, reasonable. And so when I'm looking at the lay of the land, it's you have 306 votes for Donald Trump. And so if we want to if you wanted if I wanted to remove Donald Trump uh, as you know the incoming president. Right. Uh, you would need 37 Republican electors plus right. every single Democrat to avoid the House of Representatives. Right. Um, and so initially, you know, and I'm, I am another idealist. Um Thinking that all right, well, if we can if we can convince 37 Republicans, we're, Democrats are going to listen because, you know, we have a chance to, you know, act. Whereas who knows what the House would do? It, you know, I would assume they would, you know, vote Donald Trump in, but it would they would have to then put their names on it and, and so I don't know. And right. so, uh, I and, and so 306, you know, electors uh, for you know uh, for Donald Trump was right significant but i was looking at the exit polls or i was paying attention to the exit polls throughout the day and uh you know i, I don't remember the the numbers at this point i at one point i did um but it was there was more than 10 percent um and i would say it was i think it was closer to 35 to 40 percent of republicans voted for donald trump because he was the nominee they didn't want to vote for him first he wasn't their first candidate um it was a significant number of of, of citizens and so I'm looking at the Republican Party, knowing that there's, you know, distrust and, and mis, you know, people that Republican conservatives that were afraid or had issues with Donald Trump already. And sure. so I was thinking, all right, we just need 10 percent of those Republican electors. And I think that at least they are probably out there. And um, and so that was, you know, and I think, you know, like I said, you know, before Donald Trump, I thought it was a danger. But my biggest concern, you know, is that he's a climate change denialist. And so when I first went on CNN, I, you know, I didn't know that I was ever going to get on CNN. I didn't know that this was going to blow up. I kind of I kind of had some guesses that it would because okay. it was with the president. But like I wanted to make sure that my first, you know, time on national television, I wanted to talk about climate change. Now, you know, that to me was the issue. And so then I had to also think about. CD1. Well, CD1 wanted me to vote for Hillary Clinton. Okay, that, that's that's fine and dandy. Right. Um, but that would have done nothing. It wouldn't. It, nothing would have happened. It would have been symbolic. It would have been an honor. Um, and but I, I am, you know, a, a fighter. And so when I'm looking at the lay of the land, well, if I can convince 10% of people 
uh, of these electors and, you know, find the Democrats and we can rally around a different Republican because right. they're not going to they weren't going to give up power. Um, and why should they? they? They won the election. We have an electoral college vote. I just thought that the, there were other Republican alternatives that would have probably been better at passing legislation than this administration has. And so, um, you know, from my progressive ideology might have been worse, but I, you know, it wasn't about that. It was about country over party. And so, um, you know, I, I also had ideals that, you know, maybe this would help heal the divide that we've been seeing since the Carter administration that, you know, Congress, you know, I've seen those maps, those graphs that Congress is just increasingly huddling in their corners. Um, and so that was, you know, the ideal um, and to find a third Republican um, and then maybe on the off chance that they would be willing to have a Democratic vice president as a nod to the popular vote and acknowledging the people, but then also country over party and you know, bring this together. Right. Maybe could have had, they would have still, you know, had the power for the Supreme Court. They, you know, I, I, you know, things were lost, but I was trying to give CD1 the, I was trying to find the best deal possible given the very limited options. Right. Because because Hillary Clinton wasn't going to be president and neither was Bernie Sanders after the election. Yeah. And so you were looking for basically a Republican less offensive to you guys than Donald Trump. Is that yes. pretty accurate? All right. Yeah. Right. And you're right. If now if you had gotten I think you said it was a 37, whatever the math was, Republicans to vote for someone else. Um, to deprive Trump of the Electoral College majority, two things could happen. And you mentioned this. One is if nobody gets the majority, then it goes to the House of Representatives, like you said. Yes. If somebody three. else. Yeah, right. Okay. If somebody else gets the majority, the uh, 300, no, 200, whatever it is, 200, 200 and something. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then that person is president and that could be anyone that the electors vote for. I mean, yeah. it could have been anybody. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and if you think that I, I, I think. Okay, and I don't know. I, I, sorry for saying you think, and I apologize. Go but, ahead. Um, but I think that that is a very. I mean, it's constitutionally allowable. I agree. That the Tenth Circuit has reaffirmed that, and I think yeah. the Supreme Court, if they once they take this case on, I, I hopefully they do. Uh, I think they will also reaffirm that just by because we have a originalist interpretation of the Constitution, and so that benefit, you know, that's to the conservative perspective. And I agree so, with you. I, I think that that is do, should 538 Michael Bacchus, who was going through master's school, you know, go, I was going through, you know, a graduate school. Uh, I was, you know, driving for Lyft and Uber, barely making ends meet. Should I have the power to elect the president when there's 310 million Americans out there? No, but that's the rules of the game. And I merely played in it. And so um, I did what I could within what I thought was the, you know, the rules and every court, you know, not. Well, now that the 10th Circuit has you know, decided, um, right. you know, what I how, how I acted was constitutional. And so my intent, you know, wasn't uh, misaligned with the Constitution. And I, I don't think that I was harming those in CD1 who voted for me. Not that they knew they were voting for me, which is, you know, another danger of using the short form. Um, I but I do believe that I was acting the best intent uh, under myself, under the my, not my constituents. I guess I don't know, you know, if that's what they're called, but those who voted huh, me in, right? And right. then because I have one decision, but I saw someone that, you know, was, you know, very unsavory, and so right. trying to give the best deal, working within the parameters of the game, and I'm hoping that, yeah, the Supreme Court does take this on, and then they're going to decide that, you know, what I did was, you know, accurate, and then 
that I think will spur change because the media narrative is going to be, should 530 and Michael Blockens be allowed to choose your president? The Supreme Court, the Supreme Court just ruled yes. Well, yep. it's been that way for as long as we've had the 12th Amendment. So it's not a surprise, but, you know, it would catch a lot of people by surprise as sure for Uber and Lyft. <laughs> I, was, I was asking, I was talking to people and sure. a lot of people think that we elect a president by popular vote. Right. Uh, a lot of people aren't sure of the electors or, you know, what the electoral college was. And so it would, and not knowing the law or not knowing, you know, something isn't, you know, good or bad. I'm just saying that it's good. I think you catch people by surprise. Yeah. And, yep. and so, yeah, you, you, you work with what you have with, you know, the, that's, I just operated within the confines of what I thought the game was. Not that it's a game, because this is real life. Yeah, I know. It's a metaphor. Matter, but. Right. Yeah, the rules of the game is a metaphor, sure. Now, what happened on the day that the electors all get together and are, are well, according to Colorado law, you're supposed to vote for Hillary Clinton in this case. Walk through that. You guys, like, yeah. come to a certain room in the Capitol building or describe so, what happened. There was rallies going on, you know, around in different state capitals. I mean, this was probably one of the more publicized uh, electoral events, um, certainly in modern history. And so uh, we had I was I was following the news of, you know, how other states were going. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, you know, of the, I was hoping the electors would be able to gather together on, on a digital medium, a secure digital medium to discuss like, hey, who would be the best option? Like, what do you like right. wanted input? And so, you know, I, I didn't know how the election was going to go, you know, because, you know, it's not done and, you know, Colorado's in the mountain time. And so, you know, it wasn't like, you know, the poll, you know, everything was done in, you know, in California. And so right. I really wasn't sure. And so we all entered the building and then we went into the governor's office. Um, and so at, we were in the governor's office and uh, then there was, there was court cases between Polly Bucket and Bob Nemanik. Uh, right. and, the, and and so I and I chose not to join those cases because the way I thought of it was unless a court, unless somebody tells me no, then I'm free to act with, you know, my intent. Right. And, and so, and I didn't want to join those cases because in, in like, it was the 10th circuit that said, you know, any attempt to remove an, uh, an elector uh, after voting has begun would be deemed highly unlikely in light of the text of the 12th amendment. Right. I mean, and so yeah. no one had told me no, no one had. You know, yeah, you had, you know, the lawless secretary of state, uh, Wayne Williams, kind of threatened <laughs> electors. Um, and so, you know, that aspect, you know, it was, I had, there was trepidation. Uh, but right. there, and one of the cases was about the the oath, right? And right. so they, they struck down the super strict oath that they did for 2016. But then uh, there was a last minute uh, hearing, because I don't remember, there was a delay when we voted. Um, they had to do a last minute emergency hearing. Where Judge Starr, I, one of the judge, judges, Madam Judges, um, she uh, walked in and you know she uh, did a ruling saying that this oath could stand because the state still printed the oath that they shouldn't have printed, and but she had ruled that okay, yes, the electors can sign this oath. And, and this so was, now, I'm sorry, and this was a state judge, right? At this point, we're this talking is a about state judge, yeah. that, yeah, the, yeah, the original, well, Polly suit and Nemanik's suit started in state court, yeah. correct? And you didn't join that because you basically, and I'm just paraphrasing if i'm not getting this right let me know they were basically asking for permission to vote yeah. they wanted to and you're like i don't want to ask for permission i've got i don't need it i'm gonna go ahead yeah. and do yeah i have the constitution that's that's yes. and i i thought i, I was after i'm seated because well and on a, i apologize on this quick very 
relevant quick tangent go ahead um is that states shouldn't even be uh counting the votes before the the ele- after the electors vote it's you know the electors are supposed to sign seal uh and and then transmit the votes to the seat of the senate i mean i'm paraphrasing a, a bit but i mean right. go through sure. the 12th amendment um so it's my understanding that the electors are responsible for counting the votes for ensuring their accuracy uh for sealing them up and then sending them to the seat of the senate which is the vice president and then right. at that special session of congress where you have you know the vice president and you have both both uh both chambers present then they're supposed to read the ballots and then if the house wants to contest and the senate contests then they and they both contest a single vote then they can contest specific votes so the fact that states are are knowing the electoral vote beforehand right right really shouldn't be and that's I think one of those more underrated things that, okay, states are kind of, no one's really been operating the right way. Hmm. And so I, I, on, on that, so going back to the oath, right after they yes. ruled that we have to sign this oath, um, I was put in a bind because right. I do believe that I've acted honorably. Um, and, you know, I'm a United States Marine Corps veteran. Um, I've got, you know, honor, courage, and commitment are my, you know, my core values. Very uh, nice. Things that, uh, that really mattered to me. And so being put in this position where, okay, if I do choose to vote against, you know, the popular vote of Colorado, I'm violating state law, but I think state law, I think the state law is overstepping and, and the supremacy clause aspect where this isn't right. Yeah. The, the state so, statute is in violation of the U S constitution, which is what the 10th circuit agreed with you on. Agreed. And, and so I was, but then I was also having this then sign this oath, which Wayne Williams, Secretary Williams, right, uh, was threatening electors, you know, with prosecution or, you know, with Tell me, a referral. What was the gist of the oath? Um, it was that, you know, we're going to. So there's a normal oath that like that everyone that's uh, I, and I, I completely am spacing out this oath. But there's the, the a regular oath that they've always used. But then they added this year or 2016 that the they also choosing they're also they also are going to vote for the state's popular vote winner. Oh, wow. So and, so you were pledging to do that which so I, and, yeah and so and i knew if i didn't sign this then i'm you not gonna be vote at all so what i did was and, and i think there are photos but i you know i signed it on the floor in protest right and so that was the only symbolic that was like hey you know let the photograph show that that you know this was something that i was struggling with at that moment so did um, you physically write on there under protest no i didn't write under protest okay um, i signed it i didn't actually think about that okay that's all right. Um, oh, if we, it's easy to think about it in, in hindsight, right? But you right. did it under protest, right? I got and you. And so, yeah, I just signed it on the floor as under duress. Okay. Um, all right. And so uh, then we go to be seated. And so we kind of walk out. And I mean, the state capitol, I don't think I've ever seen it that packed. Um, right. It was, it was packed. And, you know, there was a lot of friendly faces there. And so immediately, instead of being more on the awkward side, I was like, I felt pretty comfortable. Right. And, but I, I honestly, truthfully, had not made up my mind. Um, I did not I did not know what way I was going to go because I didn't know what if the states, you know, what if in Texas there was, you know, a heavy number of electors voting and I, you know, I just wasn't aware of it. Right. right. And, and so we sit down and the Constitution says that electors are, you know, to, you know, to sign, you know, to, to are we're to vote. And right. so to vote. When, yes. when that tells me that I have to vote, that means that I can't abstain from voting. That means I have to vote. And so. When they sent, when they gave us the pre-filled ballots, that right, right. Like, How, what like, kind of a vote is it if there's only one option? Yeah, yeah that's like why, why not Korea just have nine slips of paper that the government that the governor stamps, right? Yeah, Which exactly. I yes. would like to know. Uh, you know, the, the the former governor was not there at the time. Uh, I think he was 
I don't know. He wasn't there. So <laughs> I was Hickenlooper. Was... Right. At the time, we're talking about Hickenlooper. Yeah, Governor Hickenlooper, yeah. yes. Right. Um, and so uh, Joe Albin, I, I believe it's Joe Albin. I keep on using that name. I'm, I'm not sure if it was. But I think he was the, the elections uh, commissioner um, or, you know, whatever that title is. Okay. And so they, they gave us these ballots, and I'm looking around. And in hindsight, I, I wish I would have maybe taken some more time to, like, all right, now the Electoral College is seated. Thank you. Let's uh, let's decide. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, right. We vote. Right. Um, but I didn't want it in my mindset. It was like, all right, I have to vote. They already have this name filled in. I was like, and that that immediately set me off. And so then I asked for the vice presidential ballot because as electors, we never congregated. We never discussed. I mean, at large. Right. And right. so um, I was like, all right, well, then, you know, my constituents said vote for you know Tim Kaine you know, as vice president. So I wanted the ballot for vice president so I could at least cast my ballot for vice president. When yeah. they told me no, they said, no, you have to vote for president first. Okay. Huh. Then it was like, all right, now, now my mind is made up. Right. Like, who do I vote for? Um, and so I was, and this is, this is a funny story. I, I think it's funny. All right. I, I wasn't entirely sure that I would spell uh, Mr. Evan McMullen's name correctly. Okay. Uh, his last name. And <laughs> so right. I ended up voting for uh, Governor Kasich because I knew right. I could spell his last name correctly. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, it was really waffling between the two, um, you know, just because I was just trying to find someone that, you know, I, I thought at least wouldn't be, you know, in violation of the Constitution day one when you're not. Right. Just, and I'm you're looking for. Yeah, so, looking for like a more a moderate Republican. Yeah. And it, I'm, I wasn't trying to be. Uh, a partisan and, and try to vote in Bernie Sanders. I know there was one in elector in Maine that tried and then the state was like, no, you're going to vote for Hillary. And he's right. yes. um, <laughs> and so it wasn't, it was never, it was never about Bernie. Um, it was never about, it was about doing what I thought was in the best interest of all those around me. Right. Um, as an elector. Exactly. As a, yeah. As what, and because that was the rules of the land, I was not a political am not a political operative. Uh, don't, didn't have, you know, high level connections. You know, I, there's, I was a, a, the bad news bears, basically. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, this was the largest elector movement, you know, again, in modern history. Um, because was, if, I re if I recall, there were people that were talking about this, um, about electors not voting for the uh, winner of their state's popular vote. And if they could get enough Republicans, like you were saying, to to vote for another Republican and all the Democrats would do the same thing, then that would yeah that was the hamilton elector so, organization yeah right okay right and so you were aware of that conversation uh that was going on and well, I, yeah so with with brett uh brett Chaval and i we co-founded i guess the hamilton elector organization just because we we had something and then we had people coming in and helping us but i have not i'm not involved and i'm pretty sure it's all defunct and gone um okay. and so we ended up actually voting for different people um so it, it wasn't really like we worked in conjunction Right. Um, but again, my mission was I was all any any my all intent was just trying to find electors uh, willing to vote, you know, against their state popular vote in some states. Right. It's not in every right. state. It's, right. It is the majority of states, but it's an unconstitutional state law. And, so. Right. Right. And who was this other who was the other guy you mentioned? Uh, Brett Shapalo in Washington. And OK, right. Because there's the other uh, case. Yeah, there's the other Washington. case where right. the state, the, and, and so this one is, you know, interesting because the Washington State Supreme Court basically said that, yeah, that the they fine was upheld. Right. And so I, you know, and I actually, I, 
my, you know, I'm being told that these are, you know, rather similar cases and you, they are, right. you know, because they're about electors rights. But I think that can the state find the elector for doing what they did? Yeah, because they violated state law, but you didn't violate their constitutional right to a vote. Whereas in my instance, the state of Colorado violated my constitutional right to a vote. Right. They because didn't they, penalize they refused, me afterwards. Right. They refused to count your vote. Whereas in Washington, they did count those votes. Yeah, they did count they just, votes. They just fined they the fined. electors a thousand bucks, right? Yeah, and there, you know, and um, I don't know if if or there was a punishment because in Colorado, I assume there there, there is now, or you know, I, I don't know what they've done um, right. because you know there was a different, you know, you had the Secretary of State who was a Republican, and I'm a you know progressive Democrat voting for a moderate Republican, a Republican right? And I've got this <laughs> the you know, Republican wanting to refer me to a Republican, you know, Attorney General for you know felon or for felony perjury charges for voting and for so, a Republican. For voting for a Republican, right? For, <laughs> yeah, and, and right. So I've always found a great, you know, idea of humor in that. But yeah, one other, you know, if you watch the, if you see on YouTube the videos where the the live footage, rather. Oh, okay. Um, so when I'm removed, right, the whole place, you know, starts chanting and you know it gets pretty wild. Um, but then, you know, when the when Joe Alvin goes up and says, "All right, now we need to nominate a new elector." Well, technically, I was nominated to be the elector because. Right. The majority of us, right, were in support. Of, well, not no, not the majority of us. Four of the four of the nine of us were in support. Now the other three and only two of them ended up on the lawsuit. Um, but I was I was seconded, I was, sec- I was nominated and seconded to be the seat uh, to be seated again. Right. And then they're like, well, no, you have to vote for someone who's going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Which <laughs> they, so the state had another chance if they thought like, oh man, I'm violating I'm violating the constitution. I shouldn't do this. Right. Um, well, so who who said that? Who physically said or actually said the words? No, you have to elect. Someone. I believe that was Joe Albin. He okay. was the election commissioner. Got it. And what did Wayne Williams say to you? Who was the secretary of state at the time? We didn't talk during okay. that okay. part. Um, but when so I asked for my counsel, um, which is Jason Masoki, who's still on the legal team with Equal Citizens and, and yep. taking this case. Yeah. Um, and so I asked for him, I talked to him, like, hey, what what should I do? And he was like, well, right now you just you should be silent. And right. so then he tried getting up and explaining what happened. And so you had Wayne Williams go up and say, hey, this isn't your show. Um, well, it wasn't his show either when they removed me. <laughs> it was the elector show. Um, you know, and yeah, I I can talk more comfortably about that because the 10th Circuit had, you know, if the 10th Circuit didn't side my favor, well, then, yeah, I, I would have violated something. Right. I, I But because the 10th Circuit ruled in his favor. Um, you know, I do feel justified because, again, I was trying to act in the best interest. Sure. Uh, it w- was not trying to act with malicious, malicious intent. But, I mean, maybe the unforeseen consequences of doing that would have provoked uh, danger because the electors then did, you know, I did get threatened by people uh, enough to where I had to report to the FBI. Um, well, was this on that day? No, or not on after, that day. After, during, during this campaign. Okay, up to so, up to the election day, the day yeah, of the election. So it did get, you know, I I don't think I was ever in danger because I was in a temporary living situation because I had moved back to I, I had a, a breakup um, and so I had to move someplace that was cheap and so I moved to Las Vegas and I got an apartment and so I and I was thinking I was just going to drive back to vote and then that was just going to be you know the end of it um, and this is in like early October. And so people know, I mean, that, that's where you are now, right? You've moved to yeah, Las and that's, Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a high school teacher out here in Las Vegas. Oh, that's great. Very good. So, um, what, are you, what are you teaching? Uh, I teach you as government. Uh, perfect. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. I love that. And so it is one of the things I do want to, you know, one really mention that I am, am open about 
this, you know, one, because it's relevant to the, you know, learning the judicial branch. I mean, it's, it's relevant to learning, you know, and it's something that grabs the kids' attention. And, but because they can Google our names, um, right. I didn't want to necessarily hide it. And I thought that was the best way to, cause I, you know, I can't teach, you know, in a bias and I try to teach in a post-partisan manner. Um, and so, you know, I acknowledge like, Hey, if you, you know, and I've been on national TV since I started teaching, exactly right. this McConish interview recently. Um, and so like, you know, they've seen that and they, you know, I, I wanted to always make sure that, Hey, I have the best interests of my students. It's not being a partisan. It's not a platform. You know, I'm there to, you know, teach them. Sure. Um, and so I just always want to be very clear on that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So um, in the 10th Circuit opinion, if I recall, it's it mentions that Wayne Williams, the secretary of state at the time, th- threatened you with perjury charges or a referral yeah. to the attorney general. Like you said, yeah, when did that when, to the attorney general? Right. When did that happen? Uh, that occurred uh, in the days following December 19th. Maybe maybe it was in January, but I, I really do think it was right before Christmas okay. because it was the Got 19th. It. Um, and so. Uh, I had um, a wonderful attorney, Mark Gruskin, who represented me pro bono, pro bono right. in that defense case. Right. I mean, there wasn't a case there. They, they had nothing. Um, and then they ended up choosing not to follow um, or not to pursue anything because their reasoning was they didn't want to give me a platform. Uh, <laughs> to continue to you know, violate the voters of Colorado, which, again, I didn't think I thought I was acting in the best interest. Right. Right. And so. Um, you know, I felt in good conscience, you know, the way I acted. And so once after they declined to press criminal charges on me, right. then I joined the lawsuit with Professor Lessig and right. Jason Wasoki um, at Equal Citizens because right. you can't then try me for double jeopardy later on. So then I'm not in trouble. So I waited until I was out of trouble. <laughs> OK. And then, yeah, that, okay. that's what I was thinking. I just didn't want to I don't want to go to I didn't want to go to jail. I didn't think right. it was. A civil rights protest that deserved to go to jail. Right. Um, no, I agree with you on that. I think you'd have a lot of people in your in your side picketing if they tried to put you in jail. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, I was under investigation for about eight months. I mean, and it it did impact my ability to gain work. Oh, um, I bet. Wow. So, because like I was applying to be a cop out here in in Las Vegas, uh, and that impacted uh, it impacted me. But I, so I was actually being a, I was a flight attendant when it finished, and yep. everything was fine with that. So. Um, it all worked out. I, I love teaching. I, I love summer break. It's great to be a grown adult and have three months off. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, however difficult it is to teach. So, so w- what what happened with the investigation? This was a, the state attorney general's office was investigating. Yeah. Were they, were they yeah, interviewing so people? I mean, I, I assume you refused to talk to them like yeah, anyone should. So, well, they everything that I had was on public record. I mean, I was on Channel Right. Radio, yeah. I was all over yeah. the media. So, sure. Example. You have what's on public record. No, no, sure. No. Um, and so uh, basically we just kind of, it was a waiting game and it just, you know, uh, I don't know how vigorously they looked into this. Um, I always got the impression that it wasn't a very, uh, they didn't spend yeah. too much time on this. Right, right. Because uh, I didn't think they had anything, but that was yep. my way of thinking. But it didn't go on for eight or nine months until we finally got the decision. Um, so and then that, did they yeah. send you a letter or something saying they're not going to no, pursue I it? No, what happened? Uh, my attorney sent me the uh, the press release. Uh, uh, of the press release. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. because they, they did ask to talk to me a few times, but you know we just declined because hey, right. look at the public record. You know, yeah, there's exactly. no need to trap me in something. 
Right. Uh, all right. And that was Michael Gruskin who was representing uh, him at that yeah. time. Um, no, Mark, Mark Gruskin in Mark, Denver. My bad. Right. Uh, Mark yeah. Gruskin. Mark yes. Gruskin. And yeah, yes. now I'm represented by equal citizens, uh, with right. Larry Lessig and, uh, Jason Harrell. Yeah. Cause I've checked out the equal citizens, uh, website and, uh, the Lawrence Lessig is a Harvard law professor. Who's I think the driving force behind that. Yeah. Um, w- tell me about the, your first contact with them and, uh, how that came about. What happened? So we had, like inadvertent contact because he was also trying to organize electors um, as a well, he was like saying, Hey, the state laws are, you're in violation of the state law. Like the state laws are in violation of the constitution elect. Right. You can vote and we're going to protect you. And so they were also working to find electors. There was near the end, there was quite a few groups. Um, and so we, there was a, there was a moment in time where we thought there was enough electors. Um, right. And so ultimately, right. There wasn't. Um, but, after then, after, after um, no, rather during the, when Mark Gruskin was defending me, um, that's when I, I believe I was approached by Professor Lessig that, hey, you know, I should do this. Or maybe it was Polly that said, hey, have a chat, have a chat with Professor, with Professor Lessig. Um, and so, yeah, we talked and it was kind of like we, made, we all made the joint decision to wait until, uh, until the state announces their, you know, their, what they're going to do. Um, and because at this right. point, I was already living out of state. Um, and so that was, right. I was like worried, like if they announced that like, I'm going to jail, like, do I have to like drive back or they can like put me in a truck and like, I have to, right. Are they going to extradite you? Right. Yeah. Like what, what is this? Cause like, right. I didn't know anything. Um, and so we kind of waited and then one, like, you know, the day after, you know, it, they said it, then it was like, I I'd already been talking to them. I already knew, knew the plan. Um, and so I, you know, I signed on as the, the plaintiff, as a co-plaintiff with Polly and Bob finally joining right. them. Um, and then, you know, that went through, uh, the Denver district court, um, which I right. believe they cited against us. And so we appealed, yep. um, yep. and, you know, judge, judge Daniel, I believe it was, uh, you know, and rest in peace. I, I know he passed away recently. Um, and so, um, and then, you know, we got to the 10th circuit and then, you know, they heard our case in January. Um, so I flew out to Denver, um, nice. to, to, to be there for the, the, yeah, to be there, you know, nice snowy day. Uh, you uh, know, I'm in Colorado. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and then we kind of waited until August and then August, you know, the 10th circuit, you know, ruled, uh, you know, in a two to one split. And that was, right. that was, I mean, I, I honestly thought it, it could be three Oh, but I was like, there, there's at least two of them that are in support just based off the yeah. questions and based off. And it was, you know, um, not the, uh, uh, an endorsement of the, the movie as there are some issues with it, but, uh, I was a big rock. I watched Rocky a lot when I was a kid. Right. And, uh, and so I when like I was it. in the courtroom and because I was actually, you know, aware of this conversation, I was aware of, you know, I knew everything, not knew everything, but I knew what was going on. Sure. Um, it felt like a boxing match between the judges and, and, you know, my attorney, Jason Harrow. And it was just something that I was like, my cousin was there. We we're watching this. And it was just it was very unique. And I was just honored that Equal Citizens was, you know, representing us, you know, pro bono and and. You nice. know, fighting for us. Um, Very nice. It was but, it was just a neat experience. But you had decided you were going to vote your conscience before uh, Equal Citizens contacted you, or you knew about them. Is yeah. That right. Yeah. Oh, so you guys kind of were doing this uh, simultaneously, but independently. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, got, we didn't have contact. Good. I don't believe I had direct contact with Professor Lessing before uh, December two, okay. 2016. Oh, very good. And then, did you ever did you catch any flack from like the state Democratic Party? No, I mean, you had the, the chairman, Rick Palacio, at yep. the time, and we have a different chairman now, or chairwoman, right. rather. Yep. Um, and Carol. so, yeah, Morgan, yep. Um, and so, uh, 
he actually Rick, uh, Rick Palacio said something in the news that and it was it, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was in support of what we were doing. And but it was vocal support, but there was no no help. Right. Uh, sure. And they and you know, I do feel bad for whoever the secretary, not the secretary. Oh, yeah. One of the secretaries there because they kept on getting media requests and huh. they haven't called me. And so I did feel bad that they had to work on my behalf. Right. Um, but you know, how else are you going to get a hold of me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the kind. Yeah, sure. Sure. So yeah, I mean, they were in support, but they didn't uh, necessarily help. And so it was through outside individuals, you know, I contacted what uh, contacts I had from the DNC and then, you know, uh, what really helped was getting on CNN. Um, right. that, that first CNN led to everything else because it was of relevance to the you know national discourse. Um, and then, you know, going as far as, you know, working with Christine Pelosi, um, who still recently, I mean, I've seen on Twitter, she still calls herself a Hamilton elector, uh, okay. which is surreal. Yeah. Um, and uh, but like we worked together to get a letter sent to director, uh, then director Clapper, uh, that, you know, electors wanted to be briefed on, you know, the Russian interference in an election. Because, you know, while my intent, you know, was, you know, the, the initial issue was, you know, he's a climate change nihilist, you know, learning further and becoming more educated in the situation, there were other issues. And yeah. so anytime there are allies, you know, willing to, to help out, um, you know, we, you know, we took those opportunities. And this was Christine Pelosi. Is that right? Yeah. Christine oh. Pelosi. Yeah. In your relation to Nancy? Yeah. No, the daughter. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And was she a California elector? Yeah, she was a California elector. Got yeah. it. Okay. All the pieces are coming together. And then you mentioned Clapper. Uh, yeah. I don't know who that is. Who is um, the CIA director, uh, James Clapper? Oh, OK. So, yeah. I was thinking we, Democratic politics. Over, OK, yeah, we had over 100 electors. Uh, get gotcha. Letter, um, because we thought it, it was important that, hey, the electors should have some information. But at the end of the day, it was a lot of electors that uh, on both sides were too afraid to step out. I know there was, you know, Chris Superman in Texas. He was the first Republican to join us. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and I, you know, it was great to convince him over conversation. Um, and, and I think, did he vote to, for Ron Paul? Was he a Ron Paul guy? Yeah, he voted for Ron Paul. No, right. no, yeah, no? no, he voted for John Kasich. Oh, okay, he was a Kasich. Yeah, he voted okay, for Kasich, and then got the it. other uh, Texas elector voted for Ron Paul. Right, um, there was one down there, right? And I, and the Washington people, like Levi Guerra, who's the name plaintiff on the other lawsuit coming out of Washington, I believe they voted for Colin Powell, I believe. Yeah, they voted for Colin Powell, and then right. you had uh, you know uh, Robert Satyakan voted for Faith Spotted Eagle. Right. Yeah. Um, and then there was. I mean, I believe there was votes for Warren and Sanders, too. Um, Probably. Uh, yeah. uh, Hawaii. I know the guy in Maine didn't count. I mean, so it was the of the electors who voted. It was mostly Democrats rejecting the vote for the popular vote winner. But right. I just think that goes to show that we, you know, we were trying to do country over party. We were we were trying to find some sort of consensus candidate, but limited time, limited resources, you know, both financially and, um, you know, socially, I guess. Sure. Um, it didn't didn't have much, but, uh, you know, we really needed the Republican electors to step out. Uh, and, you know, we didn't get, you know, other the other side, the Republicans were like, no, you, well, we should get the Democrats to step out. But then right. there was, you know, a meet the press uh, interview where John Podesta was saying that, no, the Republican electors need to step out. And so, right. it you know, it was a back and forth. And, uh, you know, you know, something that I've always, you know, wondered about is that, you know, Bernie Sanders was really wanting to, you know, fight Donald Trump every step of the way. But then when it came to contesting votes, because there was members of the House um, that contested electoral votes, yeah. challenged the election. Bernie Sanders did not. Right. No other Democrat in the Senate. Right. And I assume it's because they had 2020 in mind. But the the play, you know, I always, you know, I grew up playing football and, uh, you know, nice. you play through the whistle. 
and so the whistle nice. hadn't blown yet. And I like so that. I was, uh, I was trying to do everything I could, and I am a nobody. I'm just a guy. And so <laughs> hey, that's what it takes, though. Your, your name is on this lawsuit that I hope does. I hope the U.S. Supreme Court does take it, because if they don't, I think you and Garrett and some of these other people have inspired electors to do I, this, if if they deem necessary in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I think there could be a lot more uh, people I, doing that. I do think so. And I think I've always, you know, I've said for years now that I feel like maybe I've opened up a bit of Pandora's box. That's why we want the Supreme Court to address the situation. Right. And then, you know, my hope is that then, you know, there is that that spurs action, you know, after the, you know, oh, these electors can overturn the election. Like and and if the and if the Supreme Court doesn't, you know, side with us, uh, then I still think that spurs action, because like that would be even more like, okay, what's the purpose of the Electoral College? Why have people there? Um, you know, why, why there, why have this function? And so if it's um, just going to be a rubber stamp, right. What's yeah, the point just of that? Rubber stamp, well, right. let, let's, let's, let's put that in the constitution then, because the constitution I think is very clear, you know, with the 12th amendment on what electors and the function that they serve. Well, I think um, it's clear as well. I mean, it, it has evolved into something else, but the 12th amendment hasn't evolved at all. It's, it no, still says we, the exact we, same thing. Yeah, it hasn't changed. And right. so that was. You know, and I'm like, and I'm not a, a, a constitutional lawyer. I, you know, I, you know, I have a bachelor's of sociology and a master's of education. Like, yeah. I'm not even, uh, you know, I just, just learned and did. I, I learned the role of my job. You know, I yeah, read the that's good. And that's so, good. Um, yeah, the Supreme Court. And if they don't take up the case, like, like you said, um, then I think that's going to create uncertainty heading into 2020. And I don't think we want uncertainty with the Electoral College going into 2020. I, I think that poses too many threats. Um, so either way, I think Agreed. it's going to work out in, 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 in someone's favor, for sure. As long as they hear it. I agree. As long as they hear it. I, right, yeah, even right. if they don't, I think it's a roundabout <laughs> way to getting change. Yeah. Um, but you had, I don't know if you've seen, and I assume you have, because I, I think it was on, I was just kind of looking up the news and I, I found your podcast and, uh, um, and you know, so I was listening to it and then I just, you know, finished it off. Cool. Um and so, uh, but you have 23 states that signed a letter joining Colorado, urging the Supreme Court to take on this case. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have the, the Washington State Supreme Court. You know, you have the 10th District. You have many states kind of saying, "Hey, let's get, let's, let's talk about this." Yeah, it's getting clarified. I think this is, yeah, you know, the role of the judicial branch is to interpret the Constitution, interpret the Constitution for us, so that we know uh, the rules heading into 2020. Which I will not be an elector. <laughs> You're not going to do it again? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, as a teacher, there are, are th- you know, there's no rules that I said I can't, but I, I think I did the best with what I could with what I had at the time. Um, and, you know, and, you know, Vegas is in Colorado. I, I love right. Denver. I love Colorado. Right. You know, that's that's my home. So well, let me just quickly a personal question. Are you, where, so you played high school football in the Denver area? No, not in the Denver area. No, I grew up in Arizona. Oh, uh, OK. Gotcha, gotcha. So but I lived in Colorado a few times throughout childhood and then in my adult life. Um, I've been I'm a bit of a nomad. Um, so, yeah, I actually too, played football in, in, in Arizona. <laughs> oh, and wow. So, oh, that's yeah. great. Um, yeah, I just uh, I, I was just a guy. I said yes. And um, there was. So, uh, I saw a, an article out and they were talking about my pledge and uh, well, I'd actually never pledged to vote for Hillary. If you like, and the, the records are out there somewhere publicly or I might yeah. even have them. Um, when I voted, when I was filling out the floor to be an elector, um, I actually wrote like, cause I thought it was Bernie. I was being a Bernie Sanders delegate. Right. I thought I should also put Bernie Sanders. And right. so on the initial pledge that I signed up to be an elector, it wasn't to vote for, it was just to 
because it just put Bernie Sanders, right? He never became the nominee, but um, yeah. So just another bit about it. And that's at the first or the first congressional district yeah, meeting. Yeah, that was yeah, that, that was yeah. you know the, the first four forms I got sent to me, and it was like, all right, I just signed them, and then I faxed them over. You know, I scanned them and emailed them. I, I think. And that um, nowhere in there. Uh, uh, pretty sure this is right. There's no requirement that you vote for, and you're not pledging to vote for the popular vote winner at any level. I don't think in Colorado. No, I, I don't believe so. I, and, and unlike that Washington, final pledge right. that we signed before we were oh, seated. Right. Yeah. So, gotcha. um, yeah. Yeah, I know. I appreciate you having me on here. I mean, if there's yeah. any other questions, I mean, I'm no, man, that, that is awesome. Just one more. If they if the Supreme Court does hear it, are you going to go to D.C. To, to listen? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my. I've, I've been telling my kids, you know, hey, if the Supreme Court does take this on, I'm, I'm taking an uh, early uh, spring break um, <laughs> because hey, we want them to, you know, their session ends in June or July. And so right. uh, if they if they because uh, you only need four judges and just to educate those who don't know, uh, you need four out of the nine judges. Um, to he, to choose to hear a case, so we right. don't even need a majority of them. Right. Um, and I, you know, I, I think this is a perfect case for the Supreme Court to take up. And so I do think in early January, you know, once they return from their winter recess um, and they, you know, get back to work, um, I, I think they will take on this case, and it'll be sometime in, you know, March, April, May, somewhere in that range. And we'll have a have a, an answer at that point. And you have an answer, yeah, before the 2020 election, um, and we'll go from there. Michael, thank you so much for joining us, man. I, this was great. I learned a lot, and uh, I think uh, what you're doing is great, and um, best of luck. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Dave, for having me, and I uh, uh, hope you guys had fun. And that was my conversation with 2016 rogue presidential elector Michael Baca. I hope you found it as cool as I did. Thank you to Mr. Michael Baca again for his graciousness and his time. I'm D.K. Williams, and this has been The Law, Episode 60, a special edition. We're brought to you in collaboration with Speakeasy Ideas. Let me know what you think again on Twitter. It's at TheLawDKW and Facebook.com slash TheLawWithDKWilliams. I'm available for speaking engagements, consulting, and teaching. Contact Bethany at SpeakeasyIdeas.com for more on that. And as always, freedom is dangerous, my friends. Live dangerously.